Howdy, howdy, my friends, and welcome once again to the Daily Run as we make our way through the book of Matthew. This is uh, Mike, and uh, hey, today um, we're in episode 280 of the Keeping Up with the King series, and we are in the last three verses of the book of Matthew. And as I mentioned last time, there are some things that are said here that I think are challenging, but they 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 hearken back to uh, something said back at the beginning of the book. So uh, what we're talking about right now is Jesus appears to his disciples uh, on a mountain where he appointed uh, for them to meet with him. And uh, when they saw him, it says they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, this is one of those statements that um, I think is challenging because when we think of Jesus Jesus as the second person of the Trinity, the, um, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that we think, hey, he is, Jesus is, is God, you know, as um, clearly stated um, numerous times in the Bible, especially those most commonly known ones are like... Uh, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, uh, was with God, and the Word was God. And uh, so when we come to this, and it says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, I think that that can be challenging when we start to think about, wait a minute, if he's God, how can authority be given to him? How can authority be given to him? And... um. In studying this, I, I found that uh, this is one of the things that you'll often find. Uh, at least I've often found this. I don't know about you. But um, when I look at uh, Bible commentaries and such, looking up what what theologians have written about some of these things, oftentimes I find the, the, the things that trouble me that I'm like, huh, this is odd. What's going on here? Oftentimes is completely ignored by Bible commentaries, commentators. And I don't know if that's because I just am a little dim and I miss stuff and they don't think it's a big deal, or if it's because, hey, this is just hard. It's just a hard saying. But I think what's going on here is basically basically this. And, and again, I, I preface this, and I probably should preface everything I say with this, is I could be wrong. Um, and so, uh, again, test everything. Test all things. If anything that I say, you think, you know, that doesn't sound quite right. Well, test it. Test it. Um, and how do you test it? Well, hold it up to the Word of God. The Word of God as a whole. The totality of the Word of God. And this is one of those things that is a, a, a skill that is a good thing to have in your repertoire. And that is the ability to go back and compare things to what the Bible says about them. And it is way easier now than it was, oh, 25 years ago when I first started reading my Bible, um, when I first started, well, I guess it's been 30 years. Wow. Um, anyway, 30 years ago when I first started reading the Bible, um, I noticed that, um, you know, I'd come across these words and I'd want to know what that word was in the original language. And I'd pull out this big, thick honking book, you know, my Strong's Concordance that I had, and I could look up what the word was, and I could see where that word was used other places in Scripture, and I could compare the word usage and things like that. And so it was just an early study tool that I that I used. Well, now, 
it's much easier because I can use something like the what I have open on my my tablet at the moment is the Blue Letter Bible app. And on that, I can just click on the number of the verse and I can click on interlinear and it'll show me what the word it, words are for each word in that verse. And I can look at the original language. I can click on the verse and see uh, where else that is you that verse is or that word is used, what the original language word was, etc. So there's all sorts of different little study tools that are available. And so uh, this is one of those great things about like a lot of Bibles will have cross references where you'll it'll mention something. You can cross reference that that statement and find other places. A similar phrase is used or maybe it's quoting something or a typical sim similar topic is used. Uh, and so these are the things that, you know, when you're when you're testing something, you don't just hold it up to one verse. Right. Because like you might say something and someone goes, well, the Bible says don't judge. You know, don't judge. That's, of course, the favorite um, statement of our modern culture that doesn't know the Bible. Jesus said not to judge. Jesus said don't judge. And and so we have to look beyond just one verse and say, what? how is this how is this used in the totality of Scripture? How does this fit with the rest of Scripture? I was listening to a, uh, a Bible um, theologian this week, and he was talking about or he was talking with somebody about um, some some kind of complicated um Verses about uh, sacrifices and uh, sacrifices that were uh, for the sake of atonement and sacrifices that were Thanksgiving sacrifices, sin sacrifices and things, and and talking about future sacrifices as we see in the millennial reign of uh, the, the millennium reign of Christ, you know things like that. And in the conversation. Uh, he pointed out something I thought was really good is that he was he was pointing out that any verse he brought up, um, the other guy would come up with, way, with ways to explain away that verse to say, well, oh, that that verse must not mean this. And the point that he brought up to this this person on the phone with him was that, you know, you're you're explaining away verses. You're you're throwing out verses, you're disqualifying verses because they don't fit with your uh, existing theology and he said you know for he said for for me i don't want to just try to, i don't want to have to go around and make verses mean something other than what they say in order to fit with my existing theology he said what i want to do is i want to take all the verses on the topic i want to look at them together and i want to find a conclude i want to come to a conclusion that includes all of these verses that includes all of these things. I don't want to have to explain away a bunch of stuff in order to get it to fit. I want to say, no, what's the, what's the teaching in total? So anyway, those are things to consider when you are uh, studying the Bible and checking up on your um, fifth favorite podcasting guy. I'm probably not fifth. Well, 12th favorite, whatever. Anyway. Um, so, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And so I believe that what we see here has a lot to do with the incarnation of Christ, that Jesus being eternally existent as God um, took on humanity, fully God, fully man. And in that we see some limitations. Um, Jesus was limited uh, in his ability to um do some things that he would have no problem doing as God. For example, God being omnipresent, God being always present, fully always present. Well, Jesus in his um, in his 
humanity in the incarnation in the flesh um, was limited to being in one place at one time. Um, there also seems to be some other limits that he has placed on himself. Um, you read about some of that in the book of Philippians. And just as you read about him, you'll see that well, there's, there's things that, that, uh, that Jesus appears to be bound by, um, you know, by taking on humanity voluntarily. So anyway, he's coming with this mission to lay down his life, die on the cross for the sins of the world, taking on the form of a man, because as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, sin could be removed by the deeds of the, uh, the one righteous man, by the sacrifice of the righteous man, Jesus. So he had to take on humanity. He had to be human, but he also had to be God because he had to live a perfect life, and that is not possible for a mere man. And so what I think this, as I mentioned before, harkens back to is what we saw in uh, in the early chapters. What was it? Chapter um, chapter four of, of Matthew. So in chapter four of Matthew, um, we see the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And one of the things that the, um, that the devil says to him is, is um, we well, takes him up on a high mountain and he shows him the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he says, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord, your God and him only shall you serve. And so here the devil takes Jesus on top to a high mountain and says, Hey, if you just worship me, I will give you all this. I'll give you authority over all of this. And now we see at the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus on a high mountain with his disciples, and he's telling them, all authority has been given to me. See, we were bought with a price. Jesus bought us with the bought us with a price. Um, he was the substitutionary sacrifice. He was our propitiation. He was the one who paid for the sins of the world, redeeming mankind, redeeming creation. And I believe that when he's talking about all authority being given to him, saying, "Look, it's it is finished. It's paid for. I have authority over all of it. You are you are bought with a price. You are you are mine. The world is mine. It's all mine." And so I have authority over it all now. So that's important because um, of what he's going to tell them next. And we'll talk about that next time. God bless you. Talk to you soon.